The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father loves me, so I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy might be complete. This is my commandment. Love one another as I love you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have told you everything I have heard from my father. It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you this. I command you love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The three ratings today, um, all are excerpts of larger stories. Excerpts and small kind of incisions of the heart of sometimes a a bigger context. And so we miss a lot. Um, Well, we gain a lot by hearing them, right? But we miss a lot by not always knowing where it's coming from or sometimes just kind of jumping into it, right? You're kind of jumping into the middle of a story in some ways. And so you don't necessarily, you should know all the different actors, but we don't necessarily know all the different actors. We we know the story, and we know where it comes from, but yet we don't really know where it comes from. One of the most important points, uh, there's so much to be said about the first reading, but just want to expound on, on one specific detail that you might have not picked up. It starts out, when Peter entered, Cornelius met him. Okay. Cornelius, who is Cornelius? Right? Cornelius is a centurion we hear about just before this. He's a centurion. Well, what's a centurion? A centurion is a Roman, basically a Roman officer who is in charge of other soldiers. And so he was a military man. He was a man, by some accounts, uh, was hated by the Jews because the Romans were occupying Israel, as well as most of the world, uh, or most of the Mediterranean at this point. Um, And so by many accounts, was a horrible man, right? An oppressor, somebody who was... Uh, dominating the area, who often inflicted punishment uh, upon the populace in order to keep them in control. But he's also a man of God. And actually, the very means in which God is going to use in the Acts of the Apostles to actually start the evangelization of the Gentiles and actually prove that God is not just for the Jewish people, but actually for the whole world. And he's going to use... Cornelius, a military man. And I think that's important for us to really know in this context, uh, because even if you're not specifically in the military, you're here supporting the military and are in the military to a certain degree, and this is a military chapel, right? Uh, And to know that God 
Uh, the military is not separated from God, right? The military isn't an organization, uh, and its worst is to kill people, right? Uh, but that's not the purpose of the military and shouldn't be the purpose of the individual soldiers within it. It should ultimately uh, be of love. Well, how, right? Well, I think uh, the gospel today gives this beautiful example, which whenever I think of, I think of, the, uh, of a soldier. It says, no one has greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And when I think of that statement, I think of a soldier who, who's willing to lay down his life for his love of maybe his buddy next to him, but also his family back home and his country, right? He's doing that, hopefully, in the purest sense, out of love. And there's a depth there of being willing to lay down your life for another, hopefully out of love. And I think this is where Cornelius is able to be open to God because he is a man who loves his brother. And in that, God is able to work. In the second reading, it says, everyone who loves is begotten by God and knows God. Now, Cornelius wasn't a Jew. He didn't have the revealed understanding of who God was, but he was begotten of God in his love. It's interesting that Cornelius isn't the only centurion that we hear about in the Gospels. Again, at this time, the centurions and the Roman soldiers would have been hated by most Jewish people. In fact, just a few years later, uh, Jerusalem and the Jewish populace would have completely revolted against the Roman rule. So it's not as if these guys are, are buddies uh, in the midst of this all. But there's actually two other accounts of Jesus interacting with centurions that are really positive. One is a centurion at uh, Capernaum, uh, which is where uh, he heals his uh, soldier or his slave. Uh, and then also at his crucifixion. And the centurion is the one who cries out at the end and says, something's different about this man. And he ends up making the explanation that surely this was the son of God. And so we see all these instances, actually all of the references of centurions in the New Testament are positive. Interesting in the midst of it all. And I think something for us to ponder in the military as well. That the military is not primarily, it should not be a godless institution, but actually should be one of love, of great love, is possible here. Now, when we hear about love, right, in the military, that's not always what we think of. It's not always what we think about in our life as well, right? I uh, can be honest that when I often hear the expression, God is love, or to love your neighbor, or uh, different statements about love, um, and sometimes it doesn't exactly, uh, not exactly all that effective, what do I want to say. When I was a kid, I heard often, uh, and I hope that you hear often as well, that God is love, right? That God loves you. But when I was a kid, I had to be honest that I didn't know what that meant, and I didn't know why that mattered, right? God is love, okay, so what? What does that have to do about God loves me? Okay, great. I'm not experiencing it, right? I, I don't necessarily know what that means. And so a lot of the times when we speak about that God is love or that God loves us, we don't necessarily know what it means. 
And so we have to look at certain instances about where that is true. And certainly we look at the instance of Jesus Christ on the cross where we see his love that he has for us. But we can also look again in the military where hopefully there are real instances of love. Father Capadano, um, who was a Navy chaplain who showed great love and laid down his life for his friends um, as well, if you know anything about him. Uh, but we look at, at specific instances as well. And hopefully, uh, one of the things that I'm convicted of is that even though that I have to be honest that often God is love, which is, which is the heart of the second of, of the readings that we heard today. God is love is one of the most profound statements in Scripture, and yet I think often one of the most misunderstood as well. One of the most important truths for us to know, but yet one of the truths that we often don't know or understand or live. God is love. Does he have lots of other aspects of him? Absolutely. God is a God of justice. He's a God of mercy. He's a God who creates um, all these other things. But I think at the greatest center, the greatest heart, the most important aspect of God that we need to know is that God is love. And so how do we respond to that? Well, I think a lot of the times we can approach Christianity as a religion that's either about ethics or a lofty idea or can be about a religion of trying to earn God's favor, right? Why are you here at Mass on Sunday? Is it because you feel an obligation and you simply don't want to get on God's bad side? Is it because it's just the right thing? Or is it because you're like, hey, God loves me, right? How can I not go to Mass and receive and remain in God's love? That, that's ultimately the response that we should be here for, right? We're not all there yet. That, that's okay. We're hopefully moving in a direction. And I want uh, you to take away uh, to a certain degree that that's ultimately where God wants us. He wants us to know that he's love and to remain in his love. And how do we know that? Well, because Jesus explicitly tells us. He says, as my father loves me, so I also love you. Okay? Not because they've done anything, but because the father loves him, and so he can't help but love us in response. And then he says, remain in my love. Right? He doesn't say, win my love. You know, he says, remain in my love. We know that the first actor in this relationship between us and God is not us, but it's him. He says later, he says, it was not you who chose me, but I who chose you. And this is important for us to realize as well, is that we aren't the ones choosing God. First, okay, we do have a choice in this, right? We've got free will, and so we need to respond to it, but it's him who first chooses us. And that's powerful. Because when we go back to our failures and our weaknesses and the difficulty of this world, we have to know that it's not because God doesn't love us. But we know that he chose us first and he loved us even before we did anything. Even while we were in sin. Even when we hated him and turned away from him and crucified him, he 
chose us and loves us. And so what do we do in response of his choice for us and his love for us? He says, remain in my love. And how do we do that? He says, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, right? We don't follow his commandments so that we can win his love. We follow his commandments because we want to remain in his love. And what does remaining in his love do? It says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy might be complete. He wants us to remain in his love and follow his commandments, not because he wants to control us, not because he doesn't want us to enjoy this world. He actually wants our joy to be complete. But how is our joy going to be complete? Anything in this world, if we seek anything in this world over God, our joy will be incomplete. God wants our joy to be complete and full. And ultimately, we'll experience parts of that here on earth if we follow his commandments and remain in his love. But ultimately, God is most concerned about our complete joy with him for eternity in heaven. And unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, that's a difficult path, right? One that isn't always going to be exciting or easy or, uh, you know, uh, always pleasurable, right? It, It is a journey of remaining in love is sometimes difficult, Experience that within family. Remaining in love is difficult, but it's worth it because remaining in love ultimately is where we have complete joy. And so just continue to encourage us uh, to know that God is love and that we and our response for Christians is an encounter with that love. I want to leave us with one last statement. Uh, One of the most influential uh, books uh, and one of the most important writings uh, from the church that I've ever read is, which I've referenced this before, is Deus Caritas, God is love. Pope Benedict XVI wrote this as his first encyclical, so a letter uh, to kind of the church. And in his first paragraph, talking about God is love, uh, he writes this beautiful statement, which is just amazing and transformative for me and also for my understanding of evangelization and where we're supposed to be headed. And it says, he says, being Christian, and hopefully we're all Christian, right? We're all here. We we desire to be Christian. And so he says, being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but an encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. And so I'll kind of unhash that a little bit. Sometimes we want to be Christian just as an ethical choice. And that'll be good. And it'll allow us to do certain good things, but it won't necessarily transform our life. We can sometimes be Christian off of a lofty idea, right? Oh, isn't this nice? It's a good idea. Oh, Jesus is a nice uh, teacher. But ultimately, that's only going to get us so far. Being Christian at the heart of it, living and remaining in his love needs to be an encounter with an event, his salvation for us, with a person, Jesus Christ, 
And that gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. Every single time that we have come to Mass, we have an opportunity to encounter that person, Jesus Christ, that event in this Mass, who loves us so much that he's willing to lay down his life for us. Jesus chose you. He loves you. He wants you to remain in his love, and he wants your joy to be complete. And so let us, like Cornelius, live in that love and continue to seek him uh, out in our life.